I'm just giving you a warning now so you know. Uh, for those of you who haven't read your bulletin, wait till after we finish the sermon to read the bulletin. But I want to highlight something in it on the back side. On January the 29th, 10 days from now, it's a Wednesday night, we're going to meet together as we always do. And what do we do? We eat. But we're going to do something special. And so I just want to just throw down the gauntlet now because we're going to have a chili cook-off. And I want you to know I have the best chili. It, I do. I mean, it's not even close. I may have borrowed it from my wife. It's a great recipe, but I'm claiming it as mine, and you are going to get smoked. So I've, I've tried to do my best to be prepared for it. I've gotten plenty of paper towels. Now, for the people who eat my chili, because they're going to come back for seconds, and I bought a bunch of Kleenexes for those of you who brought your chili thinking it was going to beat mine. So I just want you to know, 10 days from now, the chili cook-off is going to be on. We're also going to have some baked potatoes and we'll have a good time, but I want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. Bring a, a pot of chili or at least bring an appetite because we're going to have an opportunity to eat some really good chili and then we'll try yours too. Uh, this morning, I just want to ask you how you're doing. Are you feeling good? Derek, are you feeling okay? Are, are you happy? Alright. Are, are, are you comfortable? Are you content? Because if you are, I want to shatter that this morning. I want to do the exact... I don't know that I want you to walk out of here feeling happy and content and warm and fuzzy. In fact, today, I want to be the church bully. That's my goal, is to be a church bully. And in fact, my hope, Alana, is that when you leave here, you're going to become a church bully. And I hope that all of you, before you leave here, you're going to want to bully me too. In fact, I want all of you to think about the idea of being a church bully. It's funny how words change over the years, isn't it? Back in the 1940s, I don't know, I don't remember, I wasn't there, but Norm could talk a lot about that. Back in the 40s, the word bad meant bad. But somewhere around in the 80s, maybe it had something to do with this guy named Michael Jackson, but bad became good. If you said, I'm bad, that meant that you were good. And now the pendulum has swung and we're entering into the 20s and bad is just now bad again. Years ago, the word lit was something that you did, usually to a, a candle or maybe a, a fire. Later on, lit became something you might have done and what it made you. But now today, lit is what you are. It's what teenagers would look at me and they would say, that guy is lit. Right? That's what you... It's, it's funny how words change over the years. What's really interesting is this, the etymology of the word bully has changed a lot too. Back in the 16th century, the word bully was a, a term of endearment. It might have meant something like a sweetheart or lover. And in a different context, it might even have meant a fine fellow. Fast forward a hundred years, and the word bully became synonymous with the word ruffian. 
And that's a word we don't use a whole lot. But a ruffian was someone who was typically violent and oftentimes involved in a life of crime. And you progress even forward. And by the 18th century, the word bully was a meant harasser of the weak. Someone who would prey on those who weren't as strong. And they would push them. And they would tease them. And they would attempt to bring them down. This morning, I want to marry those two different concepts of the word bully and bring them together. Because this morning, I want you to be a loving harasser of the weak. Now you say, what exactly does that mean? I want to look at this next slide. Some of you are familiar with the poem, Footprints in the Sand. It says, my child, I never left you these places with the one set of footprints. It was then that I carried you. But I saw this comic strip and I just loved it for the next one. Let's do one more click. That long groove over there is where I dragged you. And I think in some ways, I think that's the concept of of bully. Somebody who will lovingly drag you through something that you might not necessarily want to do, but something that later you're grateful for. I think we all need to think about how we can push one another, that we can spur on one another, that we can help one another grow closer in our relationship, and that our worship be as God intended it to be. You see, this sermon really kind of was born out of a text that I received several weeks ago from a church bully here who just happens to be out. Uh, His wife is is sick today, and so hopefully he's going to listen to this on the podcast later on. But I was bullied by a church member a few weeks ago. He decided that he was going to text me. And he cornered me. And he challenged me to a duel. He wanted to know who would bring their A game in worship. His exact text said this. He said, I'm going to out-worship you this Sunday. You'll look like the Cowboys. Not only did he draw a line in the sand, but then he absolutely crossed it. I don't mind rooting for the Cowboys, but I don't want to resemble them. You see, here's the deal with the Cowboys. And I love the Cowboys, but you know what they're doing today? They're sitting out. I don't ever want to sit out on a Sunday morning. When everybody else is there and they're fired up, I don't want to be the one in the stands or on the couch. I want to be in the middle of the game. And so after receiving that text, I knew I had to be prepared. I was excited. I was fired up. And I walked into services that Sunday morning and I was ready to give my best. Now we both knew the truth about this little contest. It wasn't really a competi- one competition between two people. It was two competitions between individuals. My job 
was to bring my best. And His job was to bring His best. And ultimately, what He was asking was, can you outdo your best and bring a whole new level of worship to God? And so I want to ask you, is it important that we rate or grade our worship? Or is it simply that we're here? Is what God asks of us. If you go all the way back to the beginning, in Genesis chapter 4, we have the story of two brothers who are going to worship God. And Abel brings forth fat portions from the very best, from the firstborn. Now think about this for a moment. How do you give fat portions from an animal? What is required? There has to be a sacrifice. And that's what Abel does. Cain, his brother, decides that he's going to bring some of, of his vegetables, of his produce. Now this wasn't about, is meat better than, than greens? I can answer that question for you. This was really of, are you bringing your best? And Genesis chapter 4 is going to tell us that God looked at the sacrifice of Abel and He looked at, down on it with favor. But then He looked at what Cain had brought, his worship, and God was not pleased. Now we don't know how this happens, but we can infer from this story that Cain knew that God was displeased with his sacrifice. And as a result, Cain got really mad, and we know what happens. We know the rest of the story. Just as a side note, this church building, this auditorium was built somewhere in the 80's. Prior to that, there was a building over there. That building faced Taylor Street. Years later, this uh, building was built. That one burned down. Most of us walk in on Kane Street. You know why we didn't change the name of the church, don't you? We don't want to be called Kane Street Church of Christ. That just that's not a good way to go. Because Cain didn't bring his best. And Abel did. And so I want to ask you this morning, do you think that God looks down on your worship this morning and He says, well, you know what? Burnell's here. She gets a check mark. She's, she's somewhat of... She's participating. Right? Well, she may or may not be engaged, but she's in her pew that she sits every week. So that's good enough. Do you think God says, wow, that's great. Doug is sitting in the pew and he's thinking about singing. He might open his mouth. That's really good enough. Do you think God says, that pleases me? Do you think God's all about giving participation medals? I told you I was going to be your bully today, and I mean it. But I'm telling you this because I love you. Because I want you to know that nowhere in the Bible does God say, I want your leftovers. 
He doesn't say, show up on Sunday morning and sit in the pew and daydream. Think about lunch or think about your job or think about retirement or vacation. Think about where you've been or what you want. He doesn't say, look down at your watch and see how quickly I can get done with this. He calls you to bring your very best. You are called. You are encouraged. You are challenged and you are commanded to bring your very best. God does not want your half-hearted worship. Read all throughout the Old and New Testament. God wants it all. He doesn't say show up and that's really good enough. What He really wants is your heart. Don't let anyone lie to you and tell you that dressing up and showing up and sitting down is what God really called you to in worship. He calls us to something greater. You are here to worship the all-living, all-mighty, all-worthy God. And He wants half of nothing. He wants all that we have. And so today, I stand here as your church bully. The one who lovingly says, God wants more out of us because He deserves it. It's not a matter of earning salvation. It's a matter of God desiring our hearts as we come before Him. But don't let my words and my rants motivate you to be stirred. Instead, look at what Jesus gave for each one of us. In light of the best once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, Listen to this. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts and with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure waters. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds how we may spur one another on in loving and good deeds. You know I'm a city slicker. I grew up in Arlington. But when I was a kid, 
I love to sit down and watch my dad's favorite TV shows. And who do you think was the star of all those movies? John Wayne. I loved, I can't even remember the name of my favorite one, but it was the time that somehow he was on a train and there were bees all around and he got on the train and they had smoke and they smoked out the bees. I don't remember anything about it. I just remember that being the coolest thing. But what's one thing you had to wear if you were a cowboy? Spurs. Now honestly, this is the first time I've ever held spurs, but I'm going to try to put these on. I, I called my good friend David, and he said he would find me some spurs. And he didn't give me instructions on how to wear these things. So I don't really know, but I'm going to, I'm going to put one on. I'm not going to put both of them on. Because I want to show you the other one. But I just love the sound it makes when you walk. Don't you, don't you just love that sound? Now, I don't, I don't think I put it on right because it's a little loose. But, but um, this looks kind of neat. It certainly sounds cool. Um, but if you get a good look at here, there's a little star in here. I'm sure it has to do with the cowboys and all that good stuff. But... I mean, it's not like going to cut you short, but I just can't imagine, Barry, you putting this on and then you, you punching me in the rib with these things. That would really hurt. I don't know that I would really like that. And yet, the writer of Hebrews says that we should spur one another. Now, I think it's important that we are people of joy and people of love, and people of encouragement. But sometimes, we need to be spurred on a little bit. Now, I don't have a statistic here. I don't want to say most. I don't want to say many. I don't even want to say some. But I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say that there's at least one person in here who probably needs to be challenged more than they need to be comforted. And I'm in the business of comforting. That's what I like to do. I like to, to comfort people. But this morning, for that one person out there, I want to challenge you. I want to call you to uh, invite your heart into your worship. I want to challenge you. I want to say, don't sit on the sidelines. Don't hang out on the couch. Don't apathetically enter into your worship as though being here is really enough. I want to spur you on. Give you a jab and say, God, not only wants, but God deserves your very best. Just like a coach is going to demand as much as he can from his players. He's going to, he is going to train them. He's going to run them through drills over and over again. Because he wants them to give their very best. Just started on, on a new book recently that, that talks about 
uh, in the, the Pacific War during World War II. I know I'm on another World War II book. But it was uh, what took place towards the end of the war. And one of the things that was talked about is how the men on these ships were just brutally trained over and over again. So when the GQ was sound, that means general quarters, I just learned that. You probably heard that a lot. When the, the GQ sound went off, people immediately went to where they were supposed to go. They didn't ask questions. They didn't try to figure out what was going on. They immediately went to their stations to be prepared. Because when battle came, when that sound rang and it wasn't a drill, they needed to do exactly what they were supposed to do. Because if they didn't, the lives of the other men on that ship were at risk. This morning, I want to encourage you. Worship God with your whole heart. Now here's the last thing I want to say about this. I don't know what that looks like for you. The way Ida worships with her whole heart may not be the same or look the same as Brevin worships with his whole heart. It may not be the same as the way Paula worships with her own heart. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to tell you what worship for you is right and wrong. All I'm asking you is this. All I'm challenging you is this. Is that when you go into worship, whether that means sitting in a room full of purple pews, or you're out worshiping at Walmart or at your job, or wherever it is you go, when you're giving glory to God, do it with all of your heart. God doesn't want half-heartedness. He doesn't deserve second, third, fourth place. He just wants your best. And He's a God who's worthy of it. As we continue to think about this new year, we're already 19 days into it, but we still have over 340 left. I want you to think, how can I give my whole heart to God? I want to serve Him with everything. And don't worry about what other people think of you. Just give it all to God. And I encourage you to look at other people and challenge them to do the same. Don't be afraid. This is was totally by accident, but this is an analogy that I want to share with you this morning that, that, that just took place. I was getting ready this morning, and I, I do my hair. I know you don't think I do, but I do it. And the, I do two things. I have a two-step process for my hair. Okay? Two-step process. Well, including the gel. I put the gel in, and then I just do this right here. And it just goes everywhere. Step two of the process is I bring it forward. So it just doesn't look like I put my fingers into an outlet. I don't know how it happened. I don't know what was going on. I wasn't thinking. This is something that happens all the time. I don't think. But this is the first time that somehow I got up in the morning. I put gel in. I did step one. And I walked away. 
I walked away from the mirror. I forgot step two. It was crucial. It's really important to have good hair like this, that you do step one and step two. And I forgot step two. And I didn't realize this. I walk into the elders' room. We had a meeting for two hours. We talked about important things. We prayed. And the whole time, my hair is doing this right here. I have a picture of it. I took a picture of it. Scotty didn't say anything. I guess he just thought, that that looks okay. I, I talked to John later about it. And he goes, I just thought you wanted to have crazy hair this morning. I didn't know. I didn't want to have crazy hair. But, but where's Billy? Where did, where, did, where did Billy go? I lost you. Where are you? There, oh, there you are. Now you're hiding out now. He looked at me and he said, what happened to your hair? Now, you know what really happened? In the foyer of the church, Billy was bullying me. He was. But he did it because he, he really... I think he likes me enough that we could be friends and I don't know if he really thought my hair should look like this or that he was concerned that my hair looked like this and I didn't know it. I reached up and touched my hair and I immediately knew I forgot step two. And I looked at him and we laughed and I said, I have to go. Now I know it doesn't look great, but I ran back into my office where I have my emergency bottle of uh, water and gel, and I did step two and then step one, step one and step two again. Because he cared enough to say, you know what, I'm going to tell you something difficult. Your hair looks terrible. He said it nicer than that, but we both knew it looked terrible. Listen, be the type of people that we're willing to look at our brothers and sisters and say, is your spiritual life where it really needs to be? Have you looked in the mirror lately? Are you really giving your heart to God? I want to encourage you to look in the mirror this morning and ask yourself, is what I'm doing giving my whole heart to God? That's all He wants. And that's my prayer for you this morning. That as we stand and sing this song of invitation, that you will plan, prepare, and commit this next week to let everything you do be done with your whole heart, committed and devoted to a God who loved you and gave His whole heart when He gave His Son. If we can help you in any way this morning, if you want to commit your life to God, if you want to bury yourself in the water of baptism, and be raised again and be filled with the Holy Spirit and allow your whole heart to be committed in your life, I want to invite you to do that this morning as we stand and sing.